Good morning. We welcome you to our Sunday morning worship service here at the Winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church. If you are a guest and attending for the first, second, or third time, we pray that you will feel welcome and a part of our church. Perhaps you would like to make this your home church and become a member. Uh, we are starting membership classes following the church service. On the other hand, maybe you have been attending for some time and you'd like to transfer your membership over here. You would be very welcome. And you can either talk with me or our church or, or call the church office. Our phone number is located on the front of the bulletin. To our regular faithful attenders, we pray that you will um, that you will receive a special blessing as you have come to worship the Lord this morning. How important it is that we come together, we worship him from a pure heart. And your attendance and ministry here at the, at the church is deeply appreciated. Perhaps you are online and watching the services at home. We pray that our services are a blessing to you. If you are within driving distance, we encourage you to come to our Sunday morning worship service. And because we would love to meet you and talk with you and fellowship with you. Uh, thank you, Lori, for playing the piano for us this morning. Uh, your ministry um, to us is valued very much. And thank you for using your gifts and your talents for the Lord. As we worship the Lord this morning, we want to focus on his word. So take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. John says this, How great is the love of the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's pray. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we come before you to give you praise, honor, and thanks. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have given us. We look at the snow and we can see that it is the reminder of your handiwork. The winter calls us to take a rest from cultivating, sowing, and harvest. The cold and the shorter days of light remind us that we can spend more time in your word praying, visiting friends, and those less fortunate. Help us to number our days, to take advantage, advantage of those days, so that we can not only gain a heart of wisdom, but we can live out our, our faith through, these, through the works that we do. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for all the people who attend here on a regular basis. And yet, Lord, we realize that there are some who are unable to attend. There's those who are sick. There's those who are traveling, whether it is for family, work, or vacation. We also realize that others cannot attend because of the weather and the snow does make it difficult for certain individuals. We pray that you would have your hand upon 
each of these people who are away from us. We pray, Heavenly Father, and thank you for different avenues of service that you have given us. We pray, Father, that um, as we minister to others, whether it is through a smile, whether it is through going and visiting someone, whether it is through praying for those individuals, we pray, Father, that you would continue to help us serve one another. We thank you for Don and Char, Lord, and for the work that they have been doing. We thank you for their safe arrival back on the mission field. We thank you for all our missionaries who we support. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon them, and Lord, that you would give them strength to be able to share the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for the building that you have given us here to come and gather. Lord, we are a privileged people. More importantly than even the building is the folks that you have provided that we can fellowship and worship together. Thank you for each person who has come out today. I pray, Father, now that you'd have your hand upon our thoughts and our hearts. We pray, Father, that they would be towards you and listening to the songs that are sung and that as we participate, that we also will be singing and praising you. We pray, Father, that you would also open the word as we listen to Pastor Victor. Lord, may he speak your word. May it come upon our hearts so that we can apply it to our lives. Now, Heavenly Father, as we go into the rest of the service, we would ask that you would guide and direct. Thank you for each person who is here. And above all, thank you that you have come and you indwell each believer as we worship you here today. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. We ask that you stand with us for the first two songs, if you are able. We'll start with Because He Lives. God sent his son, they called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive, he lived and died to buy my pardon, an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. 
Let's continue with Victory in Jesus. people said Amen. yes you may be seated and we'll sing Christ is mine forevermore
to memories, memories of loved ones who have gone home to be with the Lord. How precious those times are that we had opportunity to spend time with those individuals. And of course, when we love the Lord, we know we shall see them again. Announcements. Um, well, first of all, I'd just like to thank the ladies for singing for us. Thank you. Um, we are always delighted when we have um, vocalists who can share and lead us in, um, in, in um, singing. And also thank you for Susan for preparing that memorial, a beautiful um, song that you have chosen, along with the slideshow that you organized. We thank you for the work that you have done on that part. Take your bulletins with me and turn with me to the first, to page one, or page two, I should say. 
Just a quick announcement. Um, if you go right down to the bottom of page two, we'll start there. Next Sunday, November the 20th, our worship service will be starting at 10 a.m. If you can just mark that down on your calendar. Following our worship service, we will have a church um, family lunch with turkey and trimmings. We ask for your help with food preparation, serving, or cleanup. And we also have a sign-up sheet for pies. And sign-up sheets are in the foyer to the left and at the back. If you could sign up, that would be greatly appreciated. Tuesday, 9.30, this week, Tuesday, 9.30, Women's Prayer Group. Wednesday, 2 p.m., the Bible Study on Revelation. And then Thursday, 7 p.m., Game Night um, at the church. And all are welcome if you would take your bulletins and you will find the nice little brochure in there. And um, put that down on your calendars and come out on, on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Remember our missionary of the week, K&K, as they are ministering on the field. And um, then we ask that you turn to life in the church. Um, you will notice that um, Victor, Pastor Victor and Eileen are also leading the youth. And they have another couple with them. And that's um, Myron and Barb Dirksen. And um, they meet on Sundays. And it's going to be at 3.30. It's a Bible study to already today. All 14 to 28 years old are welcome. And um, call Pastor Victor if you have any questions. There is his phone number. And, um, okay, and then a man's prayer breakfast. Prayer is the central ingredient for a believer and a healthy church to grow and thrive. Therefore, starting on Wednesday, November the 30th, and each Wednesday following it, we would like to have a men's prayer breakfast at the Triangle, Triangle Oasis at 7 a.m. We want to be praying for our church and community and to be light in a dark world. Come and join us as we seek the Lord together. Then, of course, November the 21st is our, our quarterly annual meeting. Um, uh, we are going to be praying and electing uh, our deacons, and they are at the top of page three, Jake Fraze, Jake Clausen, Henry Neufeld, and Bill Siemens. So we'd ask that you continue to be in prayer, and also um, we're going to be looking at the direction of the church, and also there are still um, positions on committees that need to be filled. Be praying that we will be able to fill all the positions. And that is found on the inside of your brochure, this now another white insert, and you can see uh, for some of the different positions that we can be praying for. And then discovery groups. Uh, Bible study. We would like to begin home Bible studies, and we're very close to um, starting, and so we would ask that you could please still sign up. There are places for you to sign up at both, at the back and on the side. Um, there are two uh, sheets at the back and on the side to sign up, so we encourage you to do that. And then those who are in hospital uh, boundary trails. You can remember these individuals. Uh, Dave Dick, Dorothy Hebert, Dora Peters, Edna Peters, John Suderman, and Tita Suderman. 
And also remember Carmen, uh, 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 Nettie Jansen and Carmen. So we encourage you to not only to be praying for these individuals, but also to go and visit them. Then prayer requests, Abe Weeb has, has difficulty walking. Abe and his daughter Caroline left for Germany on, sa uh, on Saturday, November the 12th. Abe is slated for back surgery on Tuesday, November the 15th. Pray for wisdom for the doctors that the surgery will go well and that Abe's mobility will be greatly improved. And then another prayer request, Bill and Mary Ann Siemens, great-granddaughter, two weeks old, has no immune system. She's healthy, but pray for the doctors as they work on a solution to restore her immune system. And then faith classes, um, Baptism and membership classes are being held. Um, 10.45, right after the church service in, in the schoolroom, 1.30. Um, if you're interested, make your way. We have room for you. At this time, I'm going to call our ushers um, forward for our morning tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, indeed we find it a privilege to come into your house and worship. Thank you, Lord, for the people you have placed here in this church. Each one of them is valuable to you. This past year we have lost a number of dear brothers and sisters. We thank you, Lord, that they knew you and walked with you. Lord, we also ask for your comfort for all those who have been left behind. We realize that grieving just does not happen in a day or a week or a month, but actually years. I pray, Father, with each person who's feeling the loss of an individual, that you would bring them comfort and strength as they go through this difficult time. We pray that you would lift them up, that every step along the way that they would see your hand working. And Lord, what a rejoicing it is, what a joy it is to know that we aren't in this world forever. Lord, our home is in a different location. It is heaven. And that's where we long to be and we desire. In the meantime, Lord, those of us who are left behind, you have given us responsibility to do, and that is to carry out the gospel, to minister to people who are hurting, to encourage them, and to build one another up and to guide others. Lord, help us to realize we have this awesome responsibility that you have given us, and in the midst of our grieving, help us always realize you are still using us until either you come or you take us home. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ministry of the youth and young adults um, that both Pastor Victor and Eileen, along with with Myron and Barb have taken up. We ask, Lord, that you would have your hand upon them. May you guide and direct. We pray for each youth that comes out that they would be encouraged and moved on to a deeper and better relationship with you. Heavenly Father, we also thank you that we can participate in prayer. And I pray, Lord, that as we have this men's prayer breakfast, that you would go before us, that as we meet, Together on Thursdays at 7 a.m. at the Oasis, we ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon each person who comes out. And as we pray for the church, as we pray for our community, as we pray for loved ones, Lord, that you would be present there and we would see your hand move in many different ways. Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
the many different blessings that you have poured into our lives. And Lord, we thank you for the avenue of Bible study within our church. I know that there have been Bible studies that have been taking place, and now even more, how important it is to focus upon you. We'd ask, Lord, too, as we go into these discovery groups, Lord, that you would encourage people to sign up. And Lord, as we gather together in order to minister to one another through your power and strength, we pray that you would be present and great things would happen because we have come together to seek your face. We think of all those who are in hospital at this time, Dave Dick, Dorothy Hebert, Dora Peters, Edna Peters, John Suderman, Tina Suderman, and perhaps even others, along with Nettie. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon each one of them. You'd give them strength, and Lord, whatever the problem they may have, we pray that you'd give wisdom to the doctors so that they would know exactly what to do. We just hold them up before you, and we ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct them. Lord, may you give them health once again. This is our desire, and we pray your hand would be upon them. We also pray for Abe as he has traveled to Germany. We ask, Lord, that the surgery would be successful, that your hand would be upon him and his family. May you move according to your will and work a miracle. Heavenly Father, we pray also for Bill and Mary Ann Siemens' great-granddaughter. Lord, we realize her immune system is not working, but Lord, we know that you are all-powerful and you can work even in this situation. Give the doctors wisdom, Lord, that they will know what to do and work through them, and we also ask that your hand would be upon them in everything that happens. Heavenly Father, too, now we thank you for the baptism and membership classes that are taking place, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to have your hand upon those who are attending. Lord, help us to learn more about what it means to be baptized and what it means to be a member. Heavenly Father, thank you for each person who is here today. Thank you for the gifts that we are giving to you now. We pray that you'd take, you'd use them for your kingdom. And thank you once, for the, once again for the privilege of giving. And we will praise your name for all everything that you've given us. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We ask that you join us as we sing Our Great God. And the words are also in your bulletin on page 5. Eternal God, unchanging, mysterious and unknown, your boundless love unfailing, grace and mercy shown, bright seraphim in ceaseless flight around your glorious throne, they raise their voices day. 
Just one more announcement that I have to make. Darlene Funk, 76, of Winnipeg, sister to Ray Dreger, passed away on Sunday, November the 6th, at Lyons Manor. The funeral service is scheduled for Monday, November the 14th, at 2 p.m. at Birchwood Funeral Chapel, Steinbach. Good morning. Good morning. Our scripture reading from this morning is Psalm 8. So if you open up your Bibles right to the middle, you'll be in Psalm 8. I think it's very good that you read along. Thank you for joining me. So Psalm 8, today I'm reading out of the King James Version. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies. That thou hast, sorry, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou hast visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. 
Is it my turn already, was what I was thinking when Mark got up to read. <laughs> good morning. Good It's good to be here, and it's good to uh, welcome winter in a very quick way so that we could get over it and be in it. Um, I chose Psalm 8 this morning because it is a psalm that sets mankind Uh, in a far different place than the rest of the world views mankind in relation to its gods. Most of the world sees uh, people and the gods in constant conflict and always this not really a great relationship. And our God is different. He has exalted us above all his creation. And uh, the line that Mark read, you have made him a little lower than the angels, Uh, some say heavenly beings. The word used there is Elohim, which is usually translated God. So we could read that actually as you have made him a little lower than God. And so God has placed great value on us, and I hope that comes through in what I preach. The last time I was up here, I preached about the image of God, and I focused on how that is displayed in marriage. I was going to continue that theme this morning and look at how each one of us as individual people, uh, we are also unique in how we represent God, and we are the image of God as individual people. But I'm going to postpone that message till next week because I feel I need to address some responses to my last sermon. I'm very encouraged when people come to me and talk to me about my sermons. Uh, It tells me that people are listening and that uh, something uh, that was said has touched that person uh, enough to make them want to connect with me. And sometimes it's a good impression and sometimes it doesn't feel so good. It feels a little negative, and it seems I need to address a couple of concerns about my last message. When I preach on sensitive subjects, I find that, and and I'm the same way, uh, if if I hear people talk about sensitive subjects, our tendency is that we get a little bit defensive, and, and we sometimes hear things that aren't actually said. So, as I said, this happens to me too, and I want to clarify and uh, answer some of those questions. As I already said, I spoke a few weeks ago about marriage as the image of God. I attempted to show how marriage reflects God in five different ways. And those five ways are there's a plurality of persons, right? Three persons in the Godhead, and there are two persons in a marriage. Uh, There's a differentiation of persons. All the members of the Godhead do different work, right? The same in the marriage. Uh, They're characterized as a loving relationship. Four, uh, there is a covenant relationship. And five, there is the generation of life. Now, the one point that got all the attention, as you can imagine, is the second one, the differentiation of persons. And just to review, I argued that just as persons of the Godhead have different roles, husband and wife have different roles. And I said that 
God's design for different roles is obvious in our different bodies that he has created for us uh, as male and female, uh, which enable us to do different things. And similarly, uh, men and women are different psychologically, which again, equips us for different work. And, uh, and then there's also a spiritual difference in the sense that God has assigned headship to men and, and to the female, uh, uh, the assignment to follow that headship. Now, I know this kind of talk immediately puts us on edge, either because we're uncomfortable or we know somebody uh, down the bench might be uncomfortable. But if this is God's design, then isn't it something we want to know about? Don't we want to understand what is God? What is God trying to do or trying to tell us or what is he trying to accomplish? So I'll work through three concerns and that'll take us to the end of this morning. The first concern is that men are valued more than women. Uh, some people see the male-female role distinction as a bit of a power game which favors men or that it ascribes greater value to men than to women. If, if the pursuit of a Christian couple is godliness, then really this couldn't be further from the truth. Scripture assumes the equal value of men and women. That is the meaning of the passage in Galatians chapter 3. I'll just read a couple of words from there, starting in verse 26. Galatians 3:26. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So before God, nationality, social status, and gender are irrelevant in terms of our salvation and in terms of our position in Christ. We who believe are all sons of God, the scripture says, and we stand on equal footing. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 22. There it says, but you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Again, that's us. We are the firstborn sons. We are not only sons, but all believing men and women are firstborn sons. And this, these statements about us all being sons, uh, these are not statements about gender. This is a, th these are statements about our status, about our position in the family. And we all hold that position. In Hebrew custom, it was the sons that received the inheritance because it was their responsibility as heads of their homes to provide for their families. But the firstborn sons received a double portion. 
because they were also then heads of the extended family, right? They had a greater responsibility. They were the kinsmen redeemers. And it was the responsibility of firstborn sons to care for their father's house, which probably uh, would include caring for mom and probably some unwed sisters and aunts, right? Everyone needs to belong. And so this is how what was created for that belonging. More responsibility requires more resource, and so the double portion was given to the firstborn sons. Spiritually, all God's children are his firstborn sons, and all God's children have that position in the family. So believing, believing men and women are all firstborn sons of God who are joint heirs with Christ, and we all receive, in a sense, the double portion. Male and female are on equal footing and are equally valued by God. How could anyone say that a life redeemed by Christ is of less value than the next? Each life costs the same to redeem and each life is equally precious to him. When I worked at Enns Brothers, washing and polishing combines and setting up cultivators, <laughs> do you think that I was of any less value than Vic Enns, who ran the company? Our roles were considerably different, but I could go into his office at the end of the day and we could talk as Christian brothers, equally valued by the Lord, and stand as equals. Just as our role distinctions did not mean a difference in value, neither does role distinction for male and female imply value. I hope, I hope that helps to dispel any implications that men and women are somehow valued differently because of their roles. We are equally saved, we are equally loved, and we are equally valued. The second concern was that there is no work for women in the church. Um, I heard that expressed after my last sermon uh, that there was no work for them and that really then they shouldn't do anything in the church. And it made me wonder, what do we think deacon work is and who can do it? The Bible talks about two positions, two offices in the church. The office of the minister, overseer, pastor, bishop. Paul uses several words there in his letters and they all refer to the same office. We, we think of it as well, for years referred to it as the minister's office, the minister. And secondly, there's the office of deacon. So these are the two offices of leadership given that God has given to the church. The Bible doesn't talk about any others. And for both of these, there is a description of the person that may fill these roles. Plus, we have accounts in scripture that model these roles. And consistent with the principle of headship, the description of both these roles is that they are to be filled by men. Now, what, what do we think deacons do? 
According to Acts 6.2, it was the distribution to the Greek-speaking Jewish widows that had been neglected. Distribution of what? It doesn't say specifically, but we get a hint in the next verse where the disciples say, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So it seems that the deacons were needed to distribute food. And they did this so that the 12, the apostles, could focus on the preaching of the word. The Greek word translated deacon means servant. All of us are servants. However, when men are set apart to serve so that the preaching may continue, a distinction has been made uh, between serving generally and serving for that purpose to aid the proclamation of the gospel. A distinction was made, and they, they set these men apart for this specific work. This is an office that is reserved for men. The deacons sit together with ministers and function as the head of their particular church body, discerning their ministry to the body. These are the leaders of the church. So consistent with male headship in the home, here we have male headship in the church. Does this mean that only those who hold the office of deacon may serve? I think it's obvious that that's not the case. There are a lot of, there's a lot of serving that goes on here apart from what our deacons do. Does this mean that a deacon's wife cannot serve with him? No, quite the contrary, actually. She's an important and integral part of his ministry. And, and there, is, there are parts of that ministry that he cannot do without her. First of all, her character even helps to qualify him for that office. And just as uh, Eve was made for Adam to be his helper, a deacon's wife is his helper, and he needs her. He needs her help. He needs her thoughts. He needs her wisdom. He needs her hands. He needs her prayers. He needs her support. My service in this church would look different without my wife. Her perspective on things her ideas, her prayers give shape to my ministry, and I need her support. Eileen is my helper. Now, if you think that I'm some kind of power-hungry control freak that thinks he's more important than my wife, then talk to Eileen. I invite you to talk to Eileen. Ask her yourself if I am a tyrant. What Eileen and I have been working on is trying to grasp God's design and live it out faithfully. That's what we're trying to do. And why not scrutinize me a little bit closer? Look at my life. Do I belittle women in this church? Do I talk down to you? Do I insult your intellect? Am I inconsiderate of your person? I see us all as equals, and I walk among you as one of you, and as one who has a particular role to fill.
So I do not preach this message for power, but to show that a complementary relationship between husband and wife is the image of God and in which both have important and different work to do. Anyone and everyone in our church is free to and encouraged to do the work of deacons, to visit fellow members in the hospital or at home, to pick up and deliver some groceries, to give someone a ride to the doctor, to make a jar of soup, to offer a shoulder to cry on, to walk with others in the challenges of life, and to pray for each other. All of us can do all those things, or most of them. <laughs> we often say, I'll pray for you, but we don't pray with the person that is there at the moment. And I think that's, that's a real important thing that we could all do a little bit more of. This is all work we can do. So if someone is not elected a deacon, and wants to do these things, whether male or female, please do. In fact, if you find yourself at home waiting to be visited, why not go out and visit someone or invite someone down to your place and have a visit? There's work for all men and women in our church who want to serve the body. Do you think that there is uh, no work for women? I don't think so. We need the work of the women in this church. The third concern had to do with teaching, teaching in the church. Who may teach? Two passages uh, talk about this. One is in 1 Timothy where Paul, the apostle, is writing to a young pastor, and he's expressing his desire for the church. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 8. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also the women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold and pearls and costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Let a woman work quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. What is not obvious in this passage is the context. In which, in which context does this apply? So as an apostle writing to a young pastor whose work is in the church and with the church, uh, I think we can assume that the context is the gathered church. There's another passage which speaks about orderly worship, and it makes this a little clearer, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It talks about orderly worship. I'll, I'll read from verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, 
but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. And then Paul, uh, interestingly, he seems to anticipate resistance to what he has just written, and then he says, or was it from you that the word of God came? Are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. So Paul is clarifying that this is not his opinion. This is actually the Lord's command. So now, here I stand. further into this discussion than I intended to be. And what would you have me do? I know these are hard words to hear. I could do what others have done. I could say, yeah, the Bible says that, but it doesn't mean that. Or I could write it off as being cultural or out of date, and therefore it has no meaning for us today. Well, that's how you get to the place where the conference is today. Would you like me to do that? Those who interpret scripture in that way find themselves far away from the will of God, thinking they are doing what is right. Isaiah says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Isaiah 5.20. Let me say this for today. <clears throat> I think that a responsible interpretation of these passages is to say that at the very least, they apply to the gathered body of believers. That is the context to which the teaching applies. And that the silence required of women in this setting has to do with their authority over men, and the teaching of men. This does not mean that men do not learn from women. When we visit with each other, when we sit, at the, sit around the family table, we learn from each other, men and women alike. And one, one example that is often cited is Acts 18 at verse 26, where Priscilla and Aquila take Apollos aside and explain to him the gospel more fully. So this Apollos, uh, he had certain knowledge, but he didn't have full knowledge. And so this couple took him aside and explained it more fully. Do you think he didn't learn something from her? Of course he did. But that is not the uh, context to which the teaching applies. I think it applies to this setting here. So that was not a situation where women are required to be silent. <clears throat> so if we look at what is restricted, it is the roles of minister and deacon, the two offices of leadership for the church, as well as the teaching of men and exercising authority over them in church gatherings. 
And when we remember the principle of headship, which originates within the Godhead, it makes logical sense. What is not restricted for women is everything else. Women can preach to women. Women can teach women and children. Women serve on committees. Women make music. We had that this morning. Women read scripture. Women pray. Women give testimony. Women create works of art. Look at this table here. It's gorgeous. Uh, and the, uh, the slideshow that Susan put together. Well done. There's just so much that women do in our midst. There are all kinds of restrictions that God has put in place for our good. Uh, men, for example, are restricted to one wife. I think we think that's good, right? I don't know of too many women who wish they had another husband, but if we, there was no restriction on the number of wives a man can have, you'd see men with a lot of wives, as you do in other parts of the world. But when we look at uh, Jacob and his four wives, it seems that polygamy isn't really all that good for us. Not a really good arrangement. Monogamous marriages are good for us. Polygamy is not the image of God. Another thing that is restricted for men is freedom from headship. Not being a spiritual leader. I am not free to not be ahead. And if I want to honor my calling, I am not free to not be a pastor. Sometimes I think it would, I would like it if, if all my headship responsibilities were just taken away. It would be so freeing. But that's not the calling, and that's not the design. The design is male and female in complementary relationship with differing roles, physically, psychologically, and spiritually, to be the image of the triune God, reflecting him to the world. Let me say that one more time. The design is male and female in complementary relationship with differing roles, physically, psychologically, and spiritually, to be the image of the triune God, reflecting him to the world. And I might just note one more thing here, and that is that the calling and the design are not based on our individual giftedness. They're based on who God is and what he has created us to be. If God makes a male and a female, he has assigned a specific calling to each. Otherwise, there's no need to make a difference. Since the design has been laid out for us by our Father in heaven, what do you think we should do? Could we encourage each other in our God-ordained roles? And by that, I don't mean negative encouragement. I mean true, loving encouragement. Many of us men do not gravitate to headship. 
Could we encourage the heads in our families to be heads, to live out their calling? Women also yearn for significance, for a place, a role in the church. Could we encourage them and bless them and honor them in their roles and in their work? These things are a challenge for all of us. It is a challenge not to rebel against the design. It is a challenge to accept the roles we've been given. It is a challenge not to be swayed by our culture. And the temptation is to think that we are missing out on something better, that we are denied something good that we have a right to. That's the temptation. But look at our world. The world is like a beautiful prostitute whose lips drip with honey. So attractive, so appealing, so deadly. Proverbs 5, three to six says this, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Whatever the world is offering us, it is not what it seems. It looks good, but it leads to death. Whatever the Lord is commanding us is much better than we know. I hope that I've answered some of our concerns about my last message. And if you want to speak to me further, I would encourage you to do that. These are important things to talk about because they I think it's obvious they touch us all pretty deeply, right? So please come talk to me if you, if you feel you need to or want to. My door is always open. My encouragement and challenge for us today then is this. Uh, number one, we all stand on equal footing before God. None is favored. Number two, there's work for men and for women in the church, lots of it. Number three, God has put restrictions in our lives for our good and for his glory. And number four, God has designed us to be his image in the world. Along with the design comes an assignment. Let's do our best to understand God through our obedience to him, that his design may bring him the glory that belongs to him alone. It's not about us. It's about him. Amen. Would you pray with me?
Father, we looked at some pretty tough passages of Scripture a few weeks ago and again this morning. Sometimes we don't understand the Bible properly, and sometimes we don't want to. Because your word says things we don't want to hear. But Father, we do not want to be out of step with each other, and we certainly don't want to be out of step with you. Would you pour out your grace on us as, as we humble ourselves before you and before your word? You said to Joshua before he led Israel into the promised land, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And then you said, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. That's what we want, Father. We want to have good success. So we ask you, Help us to be courageous in our obedience, even though to the world it looks like cowardice. You have taught us that obedience is the path of blessing and great reward. So as we, the men and women of Winkler Berkshaler, take up our courage to be obedient to you, strengthen us and be merciful to us in our weakness. Hallowed be your name. Amen. Our last song is on page six in your bulletin. Hear the call of the kingdom. And again, if you'd like to stand, please join us. Hear the call of the kingdom. Lift your eyes to the king. His song rise within you as a fragrant offering of how God, rich in mercy, came in Christ to redeem all who trust in His unfailing grace. Hear the call of the kingdom to be children of light with the mercy of heaven, the humility of Christ, walking justly before Him. Loving all that is right, let the life of Christ be shine through us. King of heaven, we will answer the call, we will follow, bringing hope to the world, filled with passion, filled with power. King of heaven, we will
I'll just say a benediction, and when we're done, would you please give uh, uh, Pastor Dean and Cheryl and Eileen and myself just a moment to get to the, to the exits. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.